Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. We've been taught very well that blood, as it drips down from the top and goes like this, and it's across the thing. It's a cross. Something that hadn't even been invented yet. Crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. For hundreds, of thou- a couple thousand years down the road, even. But all the way back here, God is showing the Passover lamb and ultimately who this suffering servant was that we read about in Isaiah 53. This lamb of God who would be slain for the, um, for the, for the sins of the world. Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob continues to review the Passover and God's prophecy of the suffering servant who will take away the sins of the world. We also learn in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 how this would come to pass and gives a specific explanation of our Lord's suffering for the sin of the world. The Passover was the preview of God's plan to send his son to suffer for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Here's Pastor Rob with our lesson for today. Look at verse 14 and the word examined. The word examined is a Greek word. that It's anacrino. And this is what is so cool. And this is what the Lord showed me today. Because this, this word literally means... To, to examine or to judge or to interrogate or investigate, but it also means to determine and the excellence or defects of any person or thing. And it brought me right back to what we were talking about in the Passover lamb. He had to be inspected. He had, he had to be examined. And Jesus as well was examined. And the Lord made sure that even the Greek word was the same kind of thing, and it only happens once. This word is only once in the Gospels, and it's right here where it says examined. He was examined by Herod. Pretty interesting. We don't have time to go any further into... Um, Actually, we, we need to, <laughs> so we will. It says In verse 6 now, we're back in uh, Exodus chapter 12. Continuing on now in verse 6, we just finished verse 5. It says, Now you shall keep it, the Passover lamb, until the fourteenth day. So you have it for four days. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintels of the houses where they ate. And so you remember this, this event very well. The night that they were to, that God was going to have his death angel come over the the country of Egypt, 
that death angel would kill every firstborn of every animal, including every male baby, the firstborn, even Herod's firstborn child who was already born, that son would die that night. And any one of the Hebrews as well, and here is the only way to escape it, is to get inside of a house, and when you've taken that lamb and you have sacrificed it, you take the blood and you put it on the lentil. That's that horizontal bar across the top. You take the hyssop and you dip it in the blood and you hit it like that and then you hit the two sides. And we all know what that means. We've been taught very well. That blood, as it drips down from the top and goes like this, and it's across the thing. It's a cross. Something that hadn't even been invented yet. Crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. For hundreds of thousands, a couple thousand years down the road even, but all the way back here, God is showing the Passover lamb and ultimately who this suffering servant was that we read about in Isaiah 53, this lamb of God who would be slain for the, um, for, the, for the sins of the world. He says, and then, verse 8, Then you shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, notice, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire its head with its leg and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. I would assume that would be the entrails and all the guts. (laughs) So just making sure you guys are awake, right? Because most of us have already had dinner and we're talking about this kind of stuff. But So they would eat the lamb, but all the stuff that they wouldn't eat, they would burn the very next day. They'd burn that outside the camp. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so you shall let none of it remain till morning, but whatever remains you shall burn with fire. Verse 11, And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hands, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And Jesus is the Lord's Passover. Just as the deaf angel passed over, and anyone who was under the blood was safe. Same thing with you and I. We need to be saved by the blood of Christ. And that's what, when we, when we gave our heart to Jesus, we believe that truth. Because if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he, he died in your place, and that his blood atoned for you, then you're not born again. You're, you're, you're worshiping a different kind of Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible died for you instead of you dying. He paid the price for your sin, for my sin. He is the Passover lamb the paschal lamb. Don't ever let that get too tired for you. Sometimes we hear these things and, and the familiarity can sometimes breed contempt. You know, we can get so used to hearing it, we just kind of, ah, whatever, I've heard that. Never let your heart get there, brothers and sisters. Take it new every time you hear it and, and take it into your heart. For I will pass through the land, verse 12, the land of Egypt, on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am Jehovah, God is saying. And now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Notice, and when I see the blood, when I see it, you got to be inside, and i got to see that blood on the doorpost. And when I see it, when I see it, then I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That's pretty serious. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful type this is for Christ. 
Remember John the Baptist? When his ministry began to diminish, when Jesus came on the scene, John's ministry was nearly over. And what did he tell his disciples, John's disciples? What did he tell them when he saw his cousin coming to him? He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Follow him. Follow him. I'm not worthy to untie his sandal laces. Not worthy. God says, I will pass over, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the Lamb. Verse 14, so this day shall be a memorial. It shall be a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. It's something the Jews still do today. They still do it. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the first day you shall eat, you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel, literally put to death. That's how serious this was. On the first day, there should be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. And no manner of work shall be done on them, but that, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on the same day, I, will, I have brought you your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, the month of Aviv, say that, Aviv. It looks like Abib, but it's Aviv. Aviv. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats whatever is le- what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. And I love the wonderful provision for that. Because of the lamb dying for me, now I get to put off the old man. Think of how different it would be if, the, if it was the other way around. Think doctrinally how that would be so whacked if it was the other way around. Let let me give you a a, a sample. Put away the sin from you, and if you're good enough, the lamb will be sacrificed. If you do it good enough, then the lamb will be sacrificed. No, it had to happen first where the sacrifice, the worship happened, boom. Then, as a result of that, put away the sin, right? It It is a response of worship. Isn't that what worship is? It's always a response to what God has already done. We worship him because of what he's done. I don't, I don't even worship him so much because of what he's going to do. There's a lot of wonderful, precious promises that the Bible tells us that he is yet to do, but I worship him for what he's already done because nearly 2,000 years ago, this, this carpenter from Nazareth was, the, is, was and is the Son of God. He died in my place for all of, re, all of mankind. He died for anyone who would put their faith in him. As a result of that, now I can put off the things of my flesh. I can put away sin. Now I even have the ability to resist it and to withstand sin. And instead of caving into it, just being in my old nature, in my old natural man, which is like a defenseless child, really, against a bunch of lions. Think of it. 
being unregenerate, without being born again, you were like an innocent child surrounded by a bunch of lions in the, in the African safari. You're done. No hope. There is no hope outside of Christ. But now that you're in Christ, those lions, they can roar all they want. They might even take a limb. They may get a piece of you, but they're not, they cannot take your salvation away. And that's what the devil does. He roars like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, but he can't have you. He can make your life miserable. He can make your life difficult. He can make you cry. He can make you want to throw a glass against a wall. <laughs> you ever done, seen that happen? A Christian gets so mad. Have you ever done it? Been so angry. I know I have. I really don't have an anger problem, but there's times that I've thought about it, and I, I right on the edge of doing it, and I said, no way, I'm not going to do it. But the thought was there. I'm like, man, I just, sometimes you get so frustrated. You get under so much pressure. Sometimes, boy, the devil knows exactly the buttons to push. And he's just pushing them. He's pushing them like that, and you're, you're going nuts. And you're like, God, if another thing happens, I'm going postal. <laughs> you ever been there? We all have. Thank God for his grace. But Jesus is the Passover lamb. So, going back to Deuteronomy 16. I don't think we're going to finish the rest of the chapter. I think uh, the Passover reviewed is going to be all we're going to be doing tonight. But let's finish this section. It says, therefore, you shall sacrifice the Passover. Again, we're back in Deuteronomy 16, verse 2. You shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord from your flock of the herd. We read this before. And the place, again, where the Lord shall choose to put his name there. How often does that happen? Just underline it because he's basically setting you up and saying, this is going to happen. You know, where I say it for it to be done, this is where it needs to be done. It needs to, be, it needs to happen at the tabernacle, and it needs to happen at the temple. Nowhere else. Not on some high hill like the pagans do it, underneath some oak tree like the pagans do it, not under some, uh, uh, some kind of uh, uh, column which they would use to worship. Not in some kind of labyrinth, you know, kind of like a thing made of, uh, of like a shrubbery and it's sort of like a, a maze kind of thing. Those kind of things were used in pagan worship too. You could burrow back in those little alleyways and do your weird, twisted things, worshiping your God. God says, no, the place that I choose to put my name there. Verse 3, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat the unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. And you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. Again, this is a review of what we read in Exodus chapter 12. But let's just finish this section here. So unleavened bread, as we said before, was bread without yeast. It's a type of sin. Remember, there was a time when Jesus and his disciples, they were in a boat, and they were going on the other side, going to the other side of the Galilee. I believe it was going from the west side of the Galilee to the east side, I believe. And um, Jesus said to them, take heed, to, he's saying this to his disciples, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And remember, the, 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 the disciples got it confused and they thought that he was upbraiding them because they didn't bring any bread. And what it, really what he's talking about was beware of the sin of the Pharisees uh, and, the, and the Sadducees. Beware of their sin. That, that's the thing that you need to be concerned about. Verse 4, And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight remain overnight until uh, morning. You may not eat the Passover with any of you, within any of your gates. 
which the Lord your God gives. But again, at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, there you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time when you came out of Egypt. Verse 7, and as you and you shall roast and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses again. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. And so, you know, as we look through this summary, and then as we've gone back and looked at Exodus chapter 12, and we looked at that, you, you see the richness of the type of the Passover lamb and all the things that it signified. And you could, you could spend a lot of time just on that alone. But, you know, God, and this is one of those, those feasts, uh, one of three feasts that we're going to be looking at in this chapter. And this, in my opinion, is one of the most significant. They're all significant. But this one, as a Christian, is very significant because we know that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And it's to be done in remembrance of something. It's, it's a memorial event. It's a memorial thing. You know, when we look at the, the next section and the Feast of Weeks there in uh, verse 9, the Feast of Weeks has, there's nothing in Israel's history that really matches up with, with that feast. We, we call it Pentecost as well. But for the Jew, that really meant not a whole lot other than just giving thanks for the, how, God had, how, the God, uh, how God had blessed them in their uh, agriculture. A lot of these feasts were tied in with their agriculture, and they would give of the first fruits. And, and, and we're going to see that next week. But the Feast of Weeks, or we would call it now Pentecost, it had nothing about it that rem- reminded the, the Jews about anything. But the very next one, the Feast of Tabernacles, we'll look at that next week. That did, didn't it? The Feast of Tabernacles was also tied to their crops as well. We're going to see that. But also, it was done in memorial of how, uh, uh, of how God's faithfulness to them as they came out of the Egypt, came out of Egypt, and for 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness in unbelief. God, during that time, he blessed them. In spite of their rebellion, he gave them everything they need. Their sandals didn't wear out, and they had plenty of food to eat. You may not have liked manna in all of its different forms, but God fed you in that wilderness. He gave you water. And at one time, he gave you a lot of quail, too. But he cared. And so the Feast of Tabernacles was a feast that the Jews even do today. And they would take, uh, they'd break off uh, branches and palm fronds and different types of foliage. And they would, uh, and they do this today. They'll, they'll go up on top of their houses. And on the top of houses in Israel, even today, they're flat. And you can go up there on a, on a cool night, and it's really nice. I, I don't know, I'd want to be up there in the middle of the sunlight, but... You can go up there, and they, they'll build these little huts made of straw and branches and palm fronds, and, and that's what they'll use. And, of course, now they'll bring in a generator so they can plug in cable television. I'm not kidding. It's actually true. It's funny to watch. But they have cable, but at least they're out there, and they're, they're covered by the, the branches, you know, and, and they live like that. To this day, they do, they do stuff like that. They'll make a tent out there, or they'll, they'll camp out, and it reminds them of God's faithfulness to them going all the way back in their desert wanderings. And that one definitely is a memorial, and so is the Passover. It's a memorial looking back. But the Feast of Weeks and what we call Pentecost, to the Jew, there's really nothing that's done in memorial for that. Kind of interesting. 
But it is thanksgiving for what God has done in his provision with our crops and food. So I think that's significant enough, really. For us in the church, it means a lot more because on the, whole, on the day of Pentecost, we all know that was when the Old Testament really ended and the New Testament really took off, right? Because what is a testament? A testament is not in effect until the death of the testator, right? When Jesus died... You know, he says, wait for the promise of the Father, you know, and for 40 days he was seen on the earth. But on that, and then at the 40th day he ascended into heaven, right? But on that 50th day, during this feast of Pentecost, what happened on the day of Pentecost? Something brand new that never happened before. The Spirit of God poured out upon a people, filling them with the Spirit of God. The church is born. The church is born, right? So, pretty interesting things. And so let's pray and just give thanks and remember that Jesus is your Passover lamb. And, uh, you know, go home tonight and uh, tonight or tomorrow and read Exodus chapter 12 and read this portion of Scripture again. And then go into the Gospels and, and look on those, those times when Jesus was on the cross. Did you know that even the, the Passover lamb, not a, a bone was to be broken? And remember when Jesus was on the cross? They wanted to kind of hasten things up. The Romans could keep somebody alive on the cross for quite a while if they wanted to, but when they had to get things done because, you know, dinner time, they could actually break the legs. Because remember, you had a nail going in. Your feet were like this, and they would take a spike, a Roman nail, and drive it through the top of your foot. It would go into the other foot, in, th- in and through it, and then fasten to the wood behind it, and they would just drive it in there. And so there you are like this, and, and you're hung up with other nails and each of your, right in here, where there's a bone there that will keep you suspended, and they would just lay there like that, and the pain would get so hard on the feet, they'd push up, and then they'd try to hold themselves up to relieve the pain off their feet. In the meantime, they're straining, and their, their lungs can barely take in any air, and they're almost on the verge of suffocating, and then finally they give in to that, only to put their full weight again on the foot that's got the nails going right through it, excruciating pain. But... On that time when Jesus was on the cross, remember the other guys were, um, were dead. I'm sorry, they, they, they had to break the legs of the other guys. But when they came to Jesus, the Passover lamb, he had already dismissed his spirit. He was already dead. So they didn't have to break his legs. Following to the T again of the Passover lamb, not one bone should be broken. And the type goes all the way through, and it's just so wonderful to see, isn't it? So be encouraged. You know, this is not some kind of uh, story that somebody made up. It's too involved. It's too intricate. It's too wonderful for someone to make up. This was God from the beginning of time knowing exactly what he was doing, prophesying ahead of time that it would happen. And then when it happened, he says, look what I did. Look what I did. That was because of this. Don't you just love that about God? Before it happens, he tells you. And then after it happens, then he goes back after some time and he says, remember? (laughs) That's what I did. It's good for us to remind ourselves of these things, our faithfulness of our Savior. Let's, Let's stand and pray. Father, we do thank you for tonight, and we just pray for your blessing, Lord. We we do thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were the perfect Passover lamb. And Lord, that we can um, rejoice in the fact that our sins have been forgiven, Lord, that we are in Christ, and no longer are we 
going to suffer eternal damnation. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.